This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Well, Mother Nature entered the picture Sunday at Dover, but she was only delaying the inevitable. After sweeping both stages, Kevin Harvick dominated the final run to finish and claim his fourth win of the season at Dover. Hi, everyone, and welcome to NASCAR America. I'm Marty Snyder here with the Hall of Famer, Dell Jarrett and Parker Klingerman. Hey, let's talk Dover. Big win for the four team and Kevin Harvick. One sentence to describe the Dover race from both of you. Well, I would want to say domination, but I don't think that tells the whole story of how that four team went on to win at Dover. Yeah. How about just Ford, 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 and Ford? <laughs> I mean, they, they, they just have things going their way right now. And that would kind of sum up the, yes. uh, the Sunday at Dover, wouldn't it? Hey, we'd love for you guys to join the conversation as well. Hit us up on Twitter, NASCAR on NBC. Make sure you check us out. Hey, let's get to the highlights from the Monster Mile on Sunday. Now, Kyle Larson won the pole position but failed inspection three times. So he had to start at the back of the field, along with Alex Bowman as well, which made for an interesting day for the 42. And then they added to those problems, Parker, on pit road, pit stop on lap 98. Yeah, and this would kind of plague their day here. You can see them going around the right side right now, and then that tire carrier is going to go, and you see that tire changer just hit that tire out. Well, at that time, the tire was further than an arm's length away. You'd have to serve a stop and go, put the many laps down, and then have to fight back from that throughout the day, which is a tough task. And it just seemed like they fought all day long, but they were able to rally for a top 10 finish. But DJ, there was no question about who the best car was on Sunday. Now, Kevin Harvick let it be known early on that especially in a longer run situation, that he did have the best car. He was able to let these guys get out, but always uh, get to them and win that first stage. There he was winning stage one, passing Brad Keselowski to do it. And hey, in stage two, why not do it again? Passes Brad Keselowski, he goes on to win stage two for his sixth stage win of the season. Kevin Harvick proving that he was dominant. Kyle Busch also looked like he had a strong car, Parker, but he said all day long, I've got a vibration, and then it got ugly on lap 272. And this is when the vibration became a problem, which is that he lost that drive shaft. And interestingly enough, he said earlier in the race when that vibration was happening that he felt like it was a drive shaft. So that's incredible he was able to feel that. You see the piece of the drive shaft going up the racetrack there. There it is laying on the racetrack. You need that to go fast or even <laughs> have drive at all. That would end the day for the 18. You know what's strange is he is so good at Dover, but this is his fourth DNF in the last five spring races there. Good thing that doesn't happen in the playoffs yes. if you're a Kyle Busch fan. So after the rain delay, Clint Boyer was up front, but it looked like this was just delaying the inevitable, as we said, Kevin Harvick was going to get by him. Yeah, Clint Boyer, a great strike, got himself in the right position, had a great day all the way around, but this was just Kevin Harvick's race. He knew exactly where he needed to put his race car, and he was very patient with a good race car, and sometimes that's hard to do as a driver when you know you have that best car, but he was able to get it to victory lane. Rodney Childers, Tony Stewart, celebrating the second career win for Kevin Harvick at the Monster Mile. And for the four team, their fourth win already in 11 races in 2018 and the celebration in victory lane for Kevin Harvick and the team. 
Here's how the top 10 shaped out. Look at that, DJ. Three Stuart Haas cars in the top five. Yeah, they've certainly done their homework and, and were ready for this season to begin, and uh, they've shown that they uh, are the organization right now that is on top. And look at all those blue ovals, Parkers. <laughs> DJ yeah. there in the top 10. It's an ominous sign there for the two that are ninth and 10th running Chevys, Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Larson. It just not, does not seem like Chevy is up to par this season. And here's where we are in the playoff standings right now. Kevin Harvick, obviously, with his four wins atop the chart. Kyle Busch not far behind with those three wins. DJ, what jumps out to you when you look at the playoff standings? You know, 11 races in. Well, I think there's a lot that you look at. Obviously, Chase Elliott's overcome a lot of penalty points uh, that mm -hmm. they've lost and still got themselves in that position right now. But keep an eye on Daniel Suarez moving his way up. After the race, Kevin Harvick and his race team celebrating in victory lane. It took my car exactly 12 laps every time to where um, I was able to, to move around the racetrack, and it seemed like a lot of guys were either tight or loose, um, you know, as they would come up off the corner. And I could go through the center about the, the same speed when I would move up that lane and, and be able to really lay in the gas up off the corner and, and have a, a, an option going into the next corner whether I wanted to go low. I didn't make many passes low. Uh, I had to do most everything in the high groove. It's a lot of fun to go to the racetrack right now. We love coming to Dover, and it's one of our favorite racetracks. We feel like we are... We've always got a car that can win when we come up here, so we, we really focused on that and, and wanted to come up here and capitalize. There's a lot of pieces that are together that weren't together in 2014, and, and the reason I say that is we've been together uh, going on our fifth year now. Uh, we're on our second year with Ford, have a lot of the, you know, the, the, the parts and pieces and engineering and all the things that it takes to progress forward uh, really starting to fall in place. So everybody's doing a great job, and I think you really see that uh, not only by our team, but the other teams and, and how well they're running on a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, we had three cars in the top five, and, and, you know, everybody's just doing a great job. Put the wins aside, it's the fact that four cars are competitive, uh, have speed every week, and it's just a matter of who's going who's gonna to get the equation right for that weekend. The worst part about the whole deal would have been the fact that I had given Clint so much grief all weekend. You know, this is, this is one of his best racetracks, and, and I learned a lot from him coming here when I, when I uh, worked at RCR, and he was my teammate there. Uh, but I, I told him during the week, I said, I'm going to beat you in every practice and qualifying and the race this week. And he looked up there. He said, Carmen's going to bite your ass tonight, isn't it? And so it was uh, it's fun to have teammates like that and, and be able to, to, you know, banner back and forth and have that good competition amongst each other. It's very healthy for the company. You know, with those two guys, you know, they race each other with respect and, you know, they're smart. I mean, they they were racing hard, but at the same time, they, you know, Kevin gave him plenty of room in case there was anything that happened. And, you know, Clint was just too loose to, to run the pace that, that uh, Kevin was. Nobody has really thought about the races that we've won or the cars that we raced back in, you know, February, March, and April. We, we're just focusing on the cars right now and trying to get better every week and coming up with new things and um, just trying to get better. The thing that we always talk about is how do you play off race every week? And, you know, sometimes that's hard to do just because it takes time. Uh, it takes a lot of effort, but you know I really feel like that's where we've progressed to is is uh, playoff racing every week and, and that constant progression throughout the year. I always felt like that's what the 48 car had on everybody else is they just kept pushing week after week after week uh, like they were in the playoffs from the start of the season to the end. And now it's more important because you get the playoff points to go with it. I tell you what, some interesting stuff there. But I, I, if they have pit road better, which it appears they kind of have it fixed for now with the 14, that's kind of been an issue that's on and off for that race team over the last couple of years. 
is there really a weakness with this four-team DJ? Uh, no, not at this point in time. Uh, they, they've done the most work and, and put themselves in the best position, and, and they have it from top to bottom. Uh, they have Doug Yates building the engines, so they've got power every single week. Uh, Rodney Childs does a great job, and, and they've got a really good organization, uh, so to say. I think something that Kevin Harvick said there, and let me say this before I get to that point. They're getting Kevin Harvick at his very best as a race car driver. I know all the focus and talk was about the young drivers, but when you've got a guy that this talented at this point in his career that is that talented, then you're going to get his very best each and every race. And then he said something that, that struck me there about the organization having – all four cars run that well. You think back over the years when Hendrick Motorsports had Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. running well all the time, uh, when Joe Gibbs racing, Denny and Kyle, Matt and, and Carl Edwards. Mm -hmm. When you have that good of cars in that competition, that only makes the entire organization better. And Kevin Harvick right now, even though they're the ones winning the most races there, this organization is capable of any one of those four drivers winning. So uh, there's not a weak link that I can see. You know what really sticks out to me is I get the impression when talking to Kevin and talking Rodney is that there's an incredible motivation right now and I, I talked to him a little bit about asking you know hey the last time I saw the four car this good it was 2014 and he went on to win a championship right when they showed up every week no matter what type of track it was and they were the car to beat absolutely from first practice on and that's what we're starting to see out of this four car again and I said to them you know how do you keep that up and that's when he got into the fact of saying this is about acting like it's a playoff every single week, keeping that motivation within the team. That's the hardest part of running so well is that when you're at the top of the game, of the top of the game, <laughs> then how do you keep going? How do you keep pushing yeah. yourself? And that's where they're at. And so I think that's the tough part for them. But I, when I've thought about times where I've been very successful or, or had wins after wins, I think back to the fact that you, you start to act like those wins don't exist, right? Yeah. That you are at the same position as everyone else is trying to catch you. That you, when you walk in that garage, you're thinking, I have to find something here. I've got to find it. Even if it's not out there, you've got to act like you have to find that little thing because that's what motivates you to keep pushing. DJ Parker brings up a great point. I remember covering you at stretches in your career where it seemed like you and Todd Parrott were unbeatable. I mean, you couldn't do anything wrong. So take us behind the scenes a little bit, if you will. Like, what's the four team experiencing right now with sort of their motivation of how they find someone to make them better every week? Yeah, Sunday can't get here fast enough is what it is whenever <laughs> you get in that situation because you understand, you know, it, this it, it's ebb and flows of in this sport. But what they're going through right now is a situation that there isn't anywhere that they go. There's not a, a racetrack that comes up that they don't think they can go and perform at the highest level. So it's a lot of fun as a competitor. You know you're going to have a lot more on the other side in your career as a driver so you want to enjoy this as much as possible but they're not looking back at what happened uh, this past weekend or what they've done to this point it's looking forward as to how we can be even better i think you bring up a great point that every racer needs to remember you lose a lot more races than you win yep. no matter who you are yes <laughs> and i think we're all starting to think this is getting the historical territory for kevin harvick yeah. so let's see where this stacks up you know when was the last time we've seen a driver win four races of the first 11 and you only have to go back to 2007 jimmy johnson won four of the the first 11 also that year Jeff Gordon had won three of the first 11 so as well so they had seven wins between them so this is starting to get Parker into territory where you're going man all of those guys won championships right or at least Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson is so is a four team on that trajectory this year I have to believe so as I said this this reminds me so much of 2014 when mm -hmm. they went on to win the championship they are just at another level and you you listen to other teams and drivers talk about watching that four car and going through the corner and thinking how are they carrying that mid-corner speed? How are they consistently fast every week? And, and the thing I think back to in 2014 was what was amazing about the 14 cars, when they unloaded, 
they were the car to beat. Yeah. It, it, when yeah. they came from the shop and the first lap on the track, they were the car to beat, and it's starting to get that feel again with the four car, and I just think that's a highly and a very impossible thing to beat when they're at that level. Yeah, the and, only thing that would stop them in that season was themselves, and they're not beating themselves, as you pointed correct. out right now. Yeah. They're not doing that at all. And as you said, Kevin Harvick's a motivated driver right yes. now, and when he's focused, he's pretty hard to beat. So not only was Dover successful for Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick and his race team, his teammate Clint Boyer finished second. Well, it is. It's fun to be a, a part of this organization. We, you know, we finally got my car. Um, you know, where in our team and and uh, everybody on a 14 car capable of running with that four car. You know, they were the they were the class of our organization all all year last year and and a um, year under our belts with this 14 bunch and, and Boogie and, and myself and the communication and everything else. You're seeing us. You know, you're starting to see us reap the benefits of, of that year under our belt. So a lot of fun, a lot more racing to go. You hate to give them up like that, but if you're going to lose to somebody, you might as well be your teammate. I needed to be able to, to have a run under my belt in that clean air. Um, back there in traffic, you lose the nose, you're tight, you're, you know, you don't really know what you have. You get out there in clean air and it's like, oh my God, we're way too loose. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you, obviously you put that in a notebook and might be able to capitalize on a notebook, but the only way you can do any better than that is just put yourself in that position. And we battled through a lot of adversity. Obviously, uh, stubbed our toe that first pit stop, kind of got us behind. But um, our car was fast. We got it back up through them and, and um, you know, caught that front pack and was a part of the, the camera, I guess. So, Parker, weren't we sitting here last year talking about the struggles of Stuart Haas early in the year? <laughs> yes. We'll switch over to Ford and all of that. So, if you can pinpoint one thing, what is it that's made them so strong this year? Well, you know, one thing that really I remember from last year when they were struggling was with the transition to Ford that they were also doing a lot of things in-house that they weren't doing before, right? And they, they were having to build the processes and put the people in place to make their race cars as fast as possible and to be able to make changes to those race cars as fast as possible. And so, when I look at what they did last year, and what they are now doing, it's that they've built those processes, that those things have come together, that those people in the right places, right? And all those things are melding together to allow them to have the performance that they're having. Add in that the Ford seemed pretty fast right now, which is, I think is in their back pocket a little bit. And, and all those things add up to putting them in the position they're in right now. And it was, you know, it's, it's the, the building blocks that started a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago yeah. that are now reaping the benefits of. Yeah, it's hard to put it in one thing, but I think one thing that you can look at is when they severed ties with Hendrick Motorsports, they had to start building their own chassis. And I think that they, you can do a lot more if you're doing that on your own. You can make changes quicker, and I think that they're reaping the benefits from that. Plus, they've got everybody on board. Tony Gibson is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. He's been in, and now he's in the race shop helping get these cars prepared. There's just so many things that are going on there. But last year, when they were getting whipped, when they knew that they weren't very good, you start working in other areas. So they found things. They, they put themselves in a championship battle last year just by working harder in some other areas. Now, changes have been made to the splitter and, and different things and the inspection process now that I don't think the Fords are better. I think that it's hurt the others. Obviously, Chevrolet has a new car. So I think that, that it's hurt the Toyota some with those things and that the Fords, just because of that hard work and effort, they're where they were. And, and right now, all of that hard work and effort is paying off. You touched on it briefly. How valuable is Tony Gibson 
and being in the shop. I oh. mean, this is a Daytona 500 winning crew chief, a veteran on pit road, and now he's in charge of making sure all four of those cars leave the shop in the correct manner. Yeah, you know, we can talk engineers all that we want, but give me a good hard-nosed racer and put him in charge <laughs> of everything. Term. And you've got that and Greg Zipadelli there. They're very smart, but they understand racing and what it takes to put the car there week in and week out. So I think that's a big part of their process. And I knew how excited he was for this new role. You know, I talked to him late last year as the season was winding down. He kind of knew that the, the writing was on the wall to maybe go into this role, this role, and he was excited about it. He wanted this role so much. So to be able to help all the team go out there and be the best that they could, and now they're definitely reaping the benefits of that. Yeah. And we didn't even mention Kurt Busch, who wound up in the yeah, top five as right. well. He's yes. flying below the radar in the 41 team. Well, hey, it's been a busy 24 hours for Kyle Larson. He salvaged the top 10 finish yesterday at Dover, as we mentioned. And overnight, his fiance Caitlin and him became parents for the second time. Look at lovely Audrey Lane Larson. How about that? Kyle shared the news along with this photo this morning on Twitter. And look at Owen holding his baby sister. How about that? We say congratulations Aww, to the yeah. family. Congratulations. They both look adorable, don't they? Fantastic. Well, hey, coming up, we'll be breaking down more from Dover and standout performances, and we'll hear why Martin Truex Jr. was so frustrated with his fourth-place run. Plus, Austin Dillon sounds off on Ford's dominance so far in 2018. How can the Chevys catch the Ford? It's all coming up on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles. It was because of Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo, Spanish deal here. Cinco de Mayo. You did good. Cinco, <laughs> you know what a Cinco de Mayo means? That's not, no. Cinco de Mayo? Mayo? Mayo. Cinco de Mayo? Cinco de Mayo. Drunk, doesn't it? I am not sure to go with that from Boyer. But that's Clint Boyer, isn't it? That's how he always is, right? Uh, no doubt. Very typical. Meanwhile, uh, the gentleman on the stage with him, Daniel Suarez, tied a career best finish Sunday at Dover with a third place. Here's what he had to say post-race. My team has been working very hard. We had a, a rough start of the season with the speed just very inconsistent. And uh, in the last month, month and a half, definitely we have found good speed and consistency and definitely we're moving in the right direction. How's your hand? My hand is fine, actually. I was, I was just, I was going to talk about it. Uh, I had my, my, uh, my little cast, the, the first 300 laps, and then I had a little bruise here that it was actually bothering me a lot. And luckily we had the red flag and I had to took that out and I changed gloves and stuff and I feel great. So hopefully next week I don't have to wear that cast anymore. As you heard the gentleman getting the sound for us, our intrepid reporter, Parker Kligerman, <laughs> out there at Dover as well. But you, you brought up a great point. He's doing all this with torn ligaments in his hand. It's an incredible run that he's had, all while he's really playing hurt, Parker. Well, and at one of the most physically demanding tracks that we have on the calendar. And remember when he first had that problem, it was at Bristol, which was incredibly physically demanding. Well, this is very much like that, but you're going faster. Yeah. And it's just as much banked, and it's one of the roughest racetracks in terms of being concrete. But I found that really interesting that the cast that he had on was actually hurting him. It was causing more bruising and more, more problems in, on his hand. And so he was actually able to, under the red flag, take it off and then felt better. But what an incredible athlete he is to be able to fight through that pain, to be able to know that that thing that's going on and go to two of our toughest racetracks and have great runs. DJ, yeah. I think you've noticed a pattern with Daniel over the years, right? Yes. The, the more seat time he gets, it just seems like he is better behind the wheel. Yeah, and, and the fact that he's really good. So I think that, <laughs> that that helps out. But I think the biggest thing that I've seen, as, as he goes back to these tracks, I 
second time. Uh, he seems to be much better. And I think the beginning of the year here, I think the Toyotas for the most part, especially the young drivers, were throwing a little bit of a curve because their cars weren't driving. They weren't exactly ready. But as you can see now, Daniel Suarez is really starting to put things together. But very typical of what he did when he came in Xfinity. He had an okay year, which he did last year in the Cup Series, which was thrown at him quickly. And then uh, now he's starting his second year, he won the championship in the Xfinity Series. And now he's starting to perform at a very high level again. So I think this is a driver you really have to keep your eye on. Uh, very capable of getting himself inside that top 16 and being a part of the playoffs. Parker, if you're Joe Gibbs and you're stacking up your drivers against one another, is it fair to compare him to Eric Jones, his teammate, both second-year drivers? Do you guys think that's a fair comparison to make? Well, yes, because I've been doing it for the last couple of years. Amongst these two. <laughs> and, uh, at least I think it is. So uh, I found it very interesting that their careers have kind of run parallel to each other. They've been in a lot of the same equipment. You, you saw Eric Jones come to the Xfinity Series a couple years ago at the same time as Daniel Suarez, and Eric Jones was very highly touted, and Daniel was able to get that championship away from him. And then they both entered Cup, and they had a very fierce rookie of the year battle that went right down to the wire and I think it's very it's fun to watch these two kind of grow within the series next to each other and I think they're very similar as drivers you know I, I think they, they both are as you said are able to excel very quickly they've been thrown in positions that have a lot of pressure around them and they're able to go out there and, and get the performance that they need and I just think that it's it's great to have these two young drivers that kind of base off each other right and, and for even for Joe Gibbs Racing it's to look at them and say alright you know what in the first couple races Eric Jones was having a very good time. Now he's on a bit of a downswing. Daniel Suarez is on a bit of an upswing. And, and to look at what these two drivers are going through and to help them along. And if they can help each other, all the better for the organization as a whole. Yeah, yeah, a healthy spirit inside, a little competition that they have there. And two completely different styles, I think, mm -hmm. uh, because of the way Eric Jones came in. You, you talk about his short track prowess and the things he's been able to do there. Well, Suarez has called on, on in a lot of racetracks, but he kind of goes under the radar a lot. And all of a sudden, you're watching a race, and the next thing you know, he shows up there around the top five, where Eric Jones usually is one that if his weekend starts out well, that's whenever he's going to have a good weekend. But uh, keep your eye on Daniel Suarez. I think is going to be a really good year. Certainly has improved here in the last few races. Well, obviously, Daniel Suarez had a good day at Dover. The Chevy teams, eh, not so much. And Austin Dillon has had enough of it. He got animated in his post-race comments. Those thoughts, next. Chief, I'm the number four Jimmy Johns Ford Fusion, and what an awesome opportunity today. Kevin did so well at Dover. Getting another victory here. It's our fourth for the season. Just another example of everybody's hard work at Stewart House Racing is paying off every single day. I'm proud of them. Thanks, everybody. Another trip to victory lane for Cheddar Bob Smith and the four team from Stewart House Racing, their fourth of the season. As for the Chevrolet teams, they haven't been to victory lane since Austin Dillon won the first race of the season, the Daytona 500. And on his way home Sunday, Dillon went on social media to vent about his frustration. All right, here's the deal. Today sucked for everybody at RCR. But silver lining is it's one race. We got to go to work on our cars to get them better. We got to work on the Camaro Z01 
the Fords are absolutely kicking our tails. Why are the Fords so dominant? Uh, I think, uh, you know, in the offseason when we put the ZL1 body on, they were able to kind of uh, tune on their race car while we're building race cars and putting bodies on. So we're just still, uh, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, we're definitely still learning about the Camaro. Um, we haven't figured out our aero balance yet. Uh, we've just a test at Michigan a couple weeks ago. We were moving things around, trying to figure out the aero balance and we'd pick up speed and not understand why. And I think that's a big part. We just don't know uh, the proper way to use the car yet. Well, Austin was not happy in his post-race comments, was he? And, and wasn't afraid to show it. But, you know, granted, this is the first year for the for the new Camaro, right, for Chevrolet teams. Yeah. But at what point do the Chevrolet teams really start pushing the panic button, you think? Yeah, well, let me say this first, that after 400 miles or trying to get to 400 miles at Dover and you haven't been very good, you've got a lot to say about things <laughs> after that because that's a hard place to good point. not have a good driving race car. I, I don't think they're at that point yet uh, with, with pushing the panic button. Quite yet. I mean, we're you know not that far. Eleven races in, but we saw Toyota come last year by Charlotte uh, through the All Star race. They found uh, kind of found their footing and, and what they do. But I don't believe the Chevrolet teams are equipped to do this as much because we have different organizations with RCR, with with uh, Hendrick Motorsports, with Chip Ganassi Racing. I just don't see them working as well together as what the Toyota group did to, to make all of this happen. So I think it's going to take a little while. Well, to that point, Parker, we hear that talk in the garage area. You hear that groundswell of talk that, hey, the Chevy teams need to work better together. How much validity is there to what DJ's saying? Well, a great microcosm of it was back at Talladega. We didn't see them work together like we saw the Fords, like we yeah. saw the Toyotas in pit strategy alone. You know, they were not grouped together via just Chevys all making sure that they pit on the same lap. And I think it goes to kind of what you said, which is that they have a lot of teams that are kind of spread out and also legacy teams. When I look at Hendrick Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing, who have been with Chevy for as long as I can remember, right? These are two teams that are, are normally used to going out there and trying to beat each other right and yeah. now you're going to ask them to change their entire model their way of thinking to work together to beat another enemy a, a two other enemies right toyota and ford so i think that's a tough men and, uh, mental change for these race teams and that's going to be tough for chevy to institute without some sort of change or something to go on there i also think what's very odd is that going into this season we thought the Chevy ZL1 Camaro was going to be awesome. <laughs> and everyone did. It was going to dominate. It was right? going to dominate. We were going to be Chevy's. The first 11 races going to be won by Chevy's. And we haven't seen that. So, obviously, you know, something out there that they have not figured out about this race car that is not going in their favor. And yesterday showed me just how far they have to come. When Jimmy Johnson finishes ninth at Dover, mm -hmm. Kyle Larson finishes 10th, and um, Chase Elliott finishes outside the top 10, he's come close to winning there the last couple of years. When those drivers struggle to get there around the top 10, then you know they still have a lot of work to do at the higher speed tracks. Well, let's take a look at the scorecard so far in 2018 for Chevrolet. And you really can look at one stat here, DJ. Look at the laps led by Chevrolet and look at the laps at the bottom led by one driver in the Ford camp. Yeah, getting whipped by one driver. I mean, <laughs> that's great. He's a really good race driver. Yeah. But the Chevrolet camp has some really good race drivers, too. So I think that just points out that they don't have this balance, as Austin Dillon was pointing out. And, and that's what it's all about, carrying the speed through the center of the corner, which allows you to go down the straightaway. And really what this shows me as well is that they're not up front. I know that's kind of rudimentary to think about, but the fact is if you're not up front, you're not winning races, and yeah. you're not putting yourself in position to win races. And that's what this really shows is that the as a whole, the Chevy car, Camaro ZL1, 
one is not up to snuff compared to these other two manufacturers. Well, if I'm a Chevrolet driver, I'm thinking back to last year and Toyota coming in with their new Camry, right? And I look at these stats and I go, well, hey, here, hey. It's, it's coming, right? I mean, how much stock do you put in this that this might be coming for Chevrolet? Well, I think it goes back to what you just said earlier, DJ. It's not time to hit the panic button because what we have coming up is a lot of mile and a half. So we've got Kansas, we've got Charlotte, which are mile and a half where they're really going to be able to figure out where they land arrow-wise with this Camaro Z01 body. And so I think that's where Toyota was at a similar time last year, which was they were trying to figure out that new car. They were trying to see where it was. And once they got to mile and a half, after being able to work on it a little bit and run some races, that's when they were able to move forward. Uh, I think we're going to look that it's going to be more where the Fords were last year of Stuart Haas racing, where they were last year, how long it took them to change and get things going, and that was the playoffs. So these guys are going to have to work hard to get themselves position inside the playoffs so maybe they can make a run at that point well there's one guy in the chevy camp who doesn't have to worry about the playoffs right austin dillon who won the daytona (laughs) 500 he's the one who can breathe easy well it just wasn't sunday action at dover it was late race drama on friday and saturday from the monster mile i can say this we will relive one wreck (laughs) and one almost wreck that played a factor in dover over the weekend more nascar america coming Hey guys, the Kyle Petty Charity Ride Across America is underway officially. It's a seven-day journey beginning in Portland, Maine. Parker, you noticed something. They conveniently missed Stanford, Connecticut. I think Kyle's just avoiding coming on the why show. Would he, why would he do that? It Kyle. ends this year at the Victor He's Junction on Camp apparently or something. in North Carolina. We well, could have come by and at least said hi at the studio, right? <laughs> I'm sure he stopped at the Marriott, though. Too, <laughs> yeah, I'm there. sure he'd see all his friends over there. Uh, here they are on the ride, the 24th anniversary of the ride, and they traveled through Loud, New Hampshire, checking out the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. They went to Woodstock. That's a pretty cool site to visit, isn't it? Absolutely. I don't know about that, but yeah, I don't well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. Look at Rick Allen. Are you kidding oh, me? Look at that. Not afraid to wear the tie-dye. And then they moved on to Pocono, where Rudd joined up with the group. Now it really gets fun, doesn't it? Definitely. Got to thank the Mattioli family. They gave a very nice donation to Victory Junction when they were at the track. Of course, they're the owners of Pocono Raceway. Kyle got to do a lap around Pocono. He's won there, so I guess he gets yeah, to do he that. Yeah, he's got to get around. Yes, exactly. So we'll keep you updated throughout the week here on NASCAR America about all the adventures of Kyle's ride. You can keep up with the ride by following KP Charity Ride on Twitter. And if you want to join the ride or make a donation, go to KylePettyCharityRide.com. Check out our chill social pit stop. I'll let you listen in. Yes, that is 90-year-old Herschel McGriff. Not only did he run the K&N West race in Tucson, he played the national anthem on his trombone. That's, That's impressive. amazing. Yep. The autograph line, we just saw that. It was an hour long to get uh, his autograph. He does not look 90. This is incredible. It's incredible. He finished 18th in the race, by the way, but I got to tell you, I don't know about you, DJ, but I would not be out there at 90 years old. And I'm a Hershey Watt I'm not going to, but I talked to him back in January. Just unbelievable. As you said, doesn't look 90 at all, uh, but what a great weekend for him. That race coming up Wednesday and Thursday here on NBCSN. Boyer finished second, but I guess he had to drown his sorrows with, he a, was feeling with a beer. He probably mm-hmm. felt 90 after that race, didn't he? And uh, drank 90. <laughs> and, and by the way, Kevin Harvick, his teammate, who was Sunday's winner, had something to say on Snapchat. Hey, everybody. They told me I was too old for Snapchat. That's fine. They can come see the confetti in Victor Lane. Old guys can still win. <laughs> Harvick is having so much fun with this youth movement thing, and I don't think he's going to let it go all year long, is he? 
There's not a chance. No, I, you know what? I like it. I like, you know, I can think back to the early 2000s. It was kind of the young guns versus veterans at the time. Mm-hmm. You were maybe around then. GG and some of those right guys yeah. at that time. So yes. I can remember back then. I think that's great. You know, it's a fun thing for the fans to attach to. And for a guy like Kevin Harvick who's winning like this, he's uh, definitely feeling good about it. Yeah, like he needs motivation. You know, <laughs> well, knowing Kevin, every time yeah, he's he he going to dig it in there, yeah. isn't he? Yep. So, mm-hmm. Hey, Harvick's win closed out a NASCAR triple header weekend at Dover. It began Friday with a camp. World Truck Series race, the first one in five weeks, and hey, I know someone who was leading late in the race. Parker, I'll let Who's you take Who's that guy at 75? Oh, it's me. Weird. Uh, well, yeah, here I got the lead <laughs> off of uh, some good pitch strategy. We didn't take tires. was able to hold on to the lead for a couple laps over Johnny Sauter, and eventually you get by. And then that ominous smoke showed up, and uh, at first I tried to ignore it and hope it wasn't there, <laughs> but eventually it became too much. We ended up having an oil leak. I got black flag, but then two to go. This is what goes down between Noah Gregson and Johnny Sauter going for the win. And Noah just trying to side draft, bumps into Johnny, loses it in the turn three, as so many drivers have done before. And you don't have that side force. It's so hard to hold on to in these race trucks. You see him just lose there. He pounds that outside wall. Very hard hit. And Noah would be really upset about that, but would own up to it. And that's the key thing, Marty. He owned up to it. I think he got a lot of credibility. He came to Victory Lane to congratulate Johnny Sauter. Look how upset he was. But he, he really earned a lot of kudos for what he did after the race. Then we go into overtime, and again, the guy who was congratulating Johnny Sauter, who beat out Matt Kraft in terrific last-minute shootout here. Sauter goes on to win the race. He did have the best truck of the day. Here's the championship standing. Sauter in victory lane at Dover, has locked himself in the playoffs. Now with two wins, Brett Moffat has another win, and there you see the teams in. You know the guy in eighth right there? The I've man? heard of him, yes. <laughs> I've heard of him before, yes. Inside that line right so now. So far inside that line. We'll see what happens. A long way to go in the season. Look at that. Just five races in, DJ. So, yeah, but he's doing a great job so far. As promised, there was more action on Saturday as well and more late race drama as well. Johnny Sauter, after winning on Friday, had double duty. He finished sixth Saturday in the Xfinity Series race, filling in for the suspended Spencer Gallagher. But the real story came on the final lap. I'll let you take us through it, DJ, since this is your buddy, Elliot Sadler. Yeah, Justin Allgaier looked like he had this well in hand, but comes up on a lap car right here. Has to get out of the throttle and actually got on the brake a little bit. Elliot Sadler, the veteran he is, saw an opening right there and did everything he possibly mm. could to win the race. Not wanting to wreck a teammate. I'm sure Dale Jr. wouldn't have been very happy about <laughs> that. But they were racing for $100,000 also. So uh, Elliott's getting towards the end of his career. Every dollar counts. But he wanted another <laughs> trophy, I think, more than anything else. Does that finish get any more fun than that? Justin Allgaier with the big win. Elliott Sadler winds up finishing second. And as you mentioned, DJ, look at that. hundred grand for Justin Allgaier after getting the victory in the dash for cash in the Xfinity Series. Here's the top 10 from Dover. Daniel Hamrick, boy, he was strong at the end of the race, DJ. Sure was. Had a, a really good weekend. That's another name that we'll have to watch for when we talk about the playoffs. And our intrepid reporter, Parker Klingerman, caught up with Justin Algar after the race. Well, my spotter, Eddie DeHaan, did a great job today of really guiding me through, um, and not necessarily blocking, but just taking air away. You know, I knew Elliot was a little bit better. Uh, when he would cool his tires down, he could make a run. My car was just a little bit too tight, and, and I really struggled to, to get off the corner like I wanted to. So anytime I could kill his run or momentum off the corner was, was big for us. Um, coming down to the last couple laps there, I didn't know if I was going to be able to hold him off. You know, he was really getting big runs off the corner. And we went on the back straightaway, and I thought we were going to be golden because the, the 15 car was going to the bottom. Uh, I knew if I went to the top, got a big run off of four, I was going to be okay. And I think he, he saw us coming and tried to get out of our way and slid to the top. 
I got on the brakes and, and almost looped myself out. I mean, that would have been the, the way to do it. Uh, spin out coming to the checkered, but uh, got to his inside. Uh, then obviously Elliot got to my inside and, and we beat and bang all the way to the checkered flag. But, uh, you know, he raced me so clean today. Elliot's a great competitor, a great teammate. Um, it had to come down to what it did, unfortunately, just because we're both going for the win. And, and the implications of winning these races are so important. But um, to be able to come out of there and, and, and to, uh, to finish that way, he didn't take me out. I, I didn't wreck him. Uh, to finish 1-2 like that was, was pretty spectacular. Well, my hope is, you know, the, the, the team gets a $100,000 check, and I'm hopeful that that's the difference maker of what puts us um, to that top podium step at, at Homestead for the championship. Well, I can't watch that finish enough, guys. Here's the, uh, here's the playoff standings. Awesome. Three drivers have locked themselves in. Justin Allgaier now puts himself up there with Christopher Bell and his teammate, Tyler Reddick, and Ross Chastain holding down that last playoff spot. It's becoming a great battle, as we've seen before, between Junior Motorsports and Joe Gibbs, and even Dale Hemrick and that RCR car trying to make it, you know, a three-organizational uh, battle for the title there in the Xfinity Series. Yeah. It's always fun at the end of that Xfinity Series season, the regular season D-Day, to talk about those drivers who don't get a lot of attention sometimes, yeah. but they're battling Having for a, a great battle. For a big day, big payoff for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Elliot Sadler's finished in the top ten in every race. He's there knocking on the door, <laughs> and he's going to be guaranteed a spot, but he would like to have getting that win column very soon. Marty, you pointed out Ross Chastain there in right yeah. now. That's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Going to be a lot of fun to watch that as the season winds down in the regular season. Up next, we turn our attention back to the Monster Energy Cup Series. We'll take a look at some of the other drivers who caught our eye on Sunday. That conversation is straight ahead on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern, the networks of NBC team up to bring you English football's grand finale, Premier League Championship Sunday. All 20 clubs meet one last time. Championship Sunday, part of NBC Sports Championship season, presented by Canada Dry Ginger Ale and Lemonade. In the Cup Series, 16 drivers make the playoff and a shot at the Monster Energy Series Championship. Six drivers have virtually punched their ticket into the playoffs, leaving 10 currently in a points battle. Brad Kozlowski is one of those drivers battling it out, and after the race, he discussed his disappointment in his team's outcome at Dover. Yeah, we led some laps, which was good, and just uh, kind of fell apart the last two uh, uh, runs, so... Um, just keep working on it. We really struggled in traffic today, um, and coming from the back, I mean that you know that obviously didn't help. It, you know we had track position early in the race, and we had good speed. And I could drive if I had clean track, I could catch whoever was in front of me at any point in time. It didn't matter. And then I'd get within a car length or two, and I just I'd be so tight off the corner, I couldn't do anything. So yeah, I don't know. We we fought that really all day long. No matter what we did to this race car, it would not turn off the corner. And obviously, that's where you pass people here when you're good in traffic. So we just, um, we had speed. We just, man, we really struggled in traffic because of that exit tightness. And the guys tried hard. Uh, they did a really good job. Nice recovery from uh, really the last couple of weeks have been tough. And uh, looked like today was going to be tough too. But we, we fought back and, um, and avoided uh, any more bad luck. 
All right, let's dive into the day for some of those guys, starting with Truex and, and Larson also. Let's throw him into this mix because they showed once they got in the back of the pack, DJ, it was almost impossible to come back up through the field. I mean, Larson spent the entire day trying to get back into the top ten. Yeah, I think it's difficult, especially at a racetrack. You, you think about generally that as it widens out, it makes passing easier. Uh, but that wasn't the case yesterday. Uh, things were just different there, and I think it's all year you're seeing this. That's why it's so important that these teams stop making mistakes on pit road and putting themselves in that position because of the difficulty of that. No doubt. And you know, one thing that's adding to this is that we're not seeing a lot of cautions yeah. these days. You know, it just seems to be a lot of green flag racing. So when you make a mistake and you're having to come back to the field, cautions help you, right? They group the field back. You can get a good pit stop, make up for that last one, make a couple spots there. But when it's green flag running, then it's purely down to speed and your ability to pass. And we saw that and, and we heard from Martin Shrix that he wasn't able to do that once he got back in the pack. And I think that was what was so unique about Kevin Harvick was that there was not a top lane a lot of times that uh, yesterday because when you looked at a car like the 78, he was constantly stuck to the bottom. And when he would catch on a car, he would try to run a higher lane. He would try to move around to get a better turn off the corner and was just not able to do it. So when you don't have any of those options to you, there's not a lot of cautions. It's going to be really tough to make those positions back up. I know one guy that jumped out to you was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Why did he jump out so much? They had that terrific run about three-quarters of the way through the race. Right before the rain, he was able to lead some laps. What stood out to you about Stenhouse? Well, it was a couple things. First and foremost, we saw some speed out of him in practice, and they qualified well. And I, I've seen them do this before. I've seen this story before where I've seen them qualify well, and then they get to the race, and it's goodbye, Ricky Stenhouse. But this time, they really hung around, and they, they had speed. And then uh, his crew chief, who's known for a bit of gambling there, Brian Patty, <laughs> decided to stay out and make a little bit of a strategy call new rain was maybe impending at the time and he was able to lead a lot of laps and stay up there on some way older tires and so i just love that move i love what this team is doing they're bringing speed they know that you know some they know where some of their deficiencies are and when they have that speed they're using a little bit of strategy to maybe try and make something happen to try to win somewhere else than a super speedway i like what's coming out of that 17 team and i just think there's some definite positives coming out of that roush family racing shop here in the future for you, Kurt Busch, yeah. we mentioned it briefly earlier, but another top five. Is it possible, as well as they have run this year, I mean, they've been running up front, that that team is kind of flying below the radar a little bit? Yeah, because normally we've heard Kurt Busch go off at some point in time and say, uh, what's going on there? But that's not the case. They have a really good thing going right now. They're competitive at most of the tracks. They're starting to get the finishes to show for that. And I think the drivers, we hear Pretty much every driver talk about, mm -hmm. as they did right there, not being able to navigate traffic. Well, you don't hear the Stuart Haas drivers really talking about that. Their cars have a little something extra. They're able to make that turn or carry a little bit more speed through the center. Even if they get on the outside, they can navigate through that a little bit more. So, Kirk Busch is on the verge uh, of getting a win here very soon. His problems are he's got couple of teammates that are keeping him <laughs> from doing that. That was yeah. going to be my point is to say, you know, yes, the 41's running great, but he's got those teammates in the way of him right now. And I, I think that's the, the biggest problem he's got going. And I think maybe it's a little bit of a different sort of uh, style for Kurt to kind of be under the radar, yeah. just let things happen, have some good runs, be the veteran he is. I'm actually going to get to hang out with him tomorrow. So maybe I'll ask him a little more about what he thinks about how to be better. Exactly. So. Ask him what's going on. Maybe I will. let you in what's happening in yeah. Stuart Haas, right? We'll see. <laughs> All right. So to be honest, I'm a little worried about this next segment because we're going to talk NASCAR fantasy. Oh. And, and I don't know how that's going to pan out for Short any of us. So we'll find out how the three of us did in our NASCAR America Fantasy League. Third Parker, exit. you can run and hide if you want to. And one of, for one of our NBC colleagues, things did not go well this weekend. And Kevin Harvick had a funny story about the fate of his first Miles the Monster trophy and why his son's playroom smells like beer. 
Oh, can't wait for that. It's coming up next. John Carlson, TJ Oshie, and the Washington Capitals take a 3-2 series lead into Pittsburgh, where Evgeny Malkin and the defending Stanley Cup champions must win to keep their season alive. NHL Live gets things started next. Thanks, Catherine. As the Penguins and Capitals are battling for the Stanley Cup, we here on NASCAR America, well, we're battling for our own bragging rights in our NASCAR America Fantasy League. Uh, there's the top five fans. Notice they have a whole lot more points than us announcers do, DJ. Yes. Lee yeah. Diffie is the top one, which I still don't understand that part of it. Do you no, get that? Somebody's doing that for him. He there's admitted no doubt to mind. me the IndyCar Barber weekend, he is blindly picking drivers. So somehow I've gotten up to fourth. But Rick Allen is now down to fifth, and that's funny because Rick fell 235 spots in one week. I am not kidding. He fell 235 positions. Did you not just see him at Woodstock? <laughs> explain it. My With God. his tie-dye shirt on. That might <laughs> explain on. it a little bit. But I, I will say, DJ, between the two of us, there was someone talking a lot of trash yeah. before we started all this. And he's got Was it you and I? Yeah. Might have been Rick Allen. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. by, the, by the way, DJ, you'll notice... Parker left. He was so embarrassed of his fantasy performance this week, he had oh. to get out of here. Wow. Which well, is, then which I shouldn't is, be here either. Which so. is partly <laughs> true. Partly true to that, by the way. He said he, he promises he's going to get better. Just don't <laughs> look at his fantasy lineup for advice this week. Hey, by the way, do we get a trophy for winning this Somebody said something about a trophy, yeah. Well, it's funny because Kevin Harvick has another Miles the Monster trophy. Mm -hmm. He's hoping this one fares a little bit better than the first one. Take a listen. So uh, Miles is pretty popular, as you can imagine, with the kids, and and so we took the we took the uh, the last uh, the first one that we won. We took it home and, and put it in his playroom, and I said, "You can keep it in your playroom." So um, first day, I came home and he had the arm broken half off off of the thing. So um, you know, when we when we talked when I talked to him after the race, he said, "Dad, you bringing that trophy home?" I said, "I'm bringing it home, but do not break the arm off of this one." So I have no idea how he broke it, but uh, it is hollow. So he must have landed on it or hit something with it. Where are you going to put yeah. this one so he doesn't break it? I'm sorry? Where are you going to put this one so he doesn't break it? Oh, he can break it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in the same spot. We'll put it in the same spot in the playroom for a while. Uh, we'll have to go hose it off first because it smells like beer. So it's always, it's always strange trying to explain to people why his playroom smells like beer. Um, <laughs> Now we get the answer yeah, of why the playroom sure. smells like beer, and yeah, that's exactly. a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, I just leave it like that. That way it explains <laughs> that you don't have to do any explaining. Say, yeah, it's just because of Victory Lane celebration. Harvick, though, one thing that struck yeah. me, he's pretty confident that he's probably going to get another one of those trophies, so he's not <laughs> yeah. worried about him breaking one more. Yeah, we'll get another yeah. one. Yeah. That's, all, that's all good. You ever accidentally broken a trophy? Uh, no, not accidentally. I was wanting to break one one time when NASCAR took a win away from me at Michigan in the Xfinity <laughs> Series. So they told me to go give it to the owner of the car, that it, which it was Jack Rouse. I was, I, I was not happy about that, as you could imagine. So, uh, so you were going to break it and then send it back to Jack Rouse, But we Rouse, got right? it back to him in one okay. piece. I decided that wasn't the best way to do that either. And by the way, Keelan deserves props because sure. Miles is made out of concrete. I mean, he's made Strong. out of I know it's hollow, as Kevin yeah. said, but he's made out of concrete. So. Yeah. Keelan, five years Watch old. For him. Exactly. Don't go wrestling with Keelan, just like <laughs> his dad, right? Hey, that's all for today's show. For all your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We're back again tomorrow at 6. Can the Capitals finally put away the Penguins? Game 6 coming up next, but right now, NHL Live. 
This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.